Welcome to the Higher Ed Jobs Podcast. I'm Andy Hebel, the Chief Operating Officer and one of the co-founders of Higher Ed Jobs. And I'm Kelly Sherwin, the Director of Editorial Strategy. Today, we're going to be talking about and discussing the article titled, Female Faculty of Color Do Extra Diversity Work for No Extra Reward. Here's how to fix that. So I think we can agree that it's important that faculty members bring diversity, inclusivity, equitability to the college campus. We know all the benefits that having those traits can bring. The paragraph that stuck out to me in this article says, female faculty members of color in particular are disproportionately called upon by both colleagues and students to do diversity, equity, and inclusion work. While diversity work is often meaningful to them, most faculty members' workloads and reward systems are not designed to recognize this labor when it comes to salaries and promotions. So I just thought that was really interesting that even though underrepresented faculty members have this passion, institutions should not assume that they are going to take on this role. I think we can all agree how important it is to have a college campus that shows diversity and inclusivity. Having staff and faculty that look like the students that they serve is important. I'm not sure there's something that's more important than having an inclusive campus and having a diverse campus that represents the broader parts of the community that are there in all different roles. We can't have a campus that's all of one monolithic background teaching a diverse campus anymore. I do think a lot of campuses have moved beyond that. But what you see, and what I thought was interesting, the conversation is, for folks who aren't familiar with it, a publication that's published by a consortium of universities. So you're using the talent of the faculty that's there to write on a whole bunch of different subjects. And the faculty who wrote this article are actually part of something called the Faculty Workload and Rewards Project, which is funded by the National Science Foundation. They analyzed workloads for 957 faculty members from 22 colleges and universities. They tried to identify racial and gender inequalities that lead to extra work and less recognition for female faculty members. I think looking at this, we have to come at the basic parts to this conversation. The first part is let's talk about bandwidth. Let's talk about the problem and why it's hard to measure on the problem. And then let's see what the solutions are that this group came and suggests. And for me, the conversation has to start with bandwidth. It's an overused term, particularly in our day and age, but it's so important that there's only a certain amount of time and energy each person has. And every little thing that you do every day takes a part of it. Some things are big and very important. Other things are less large and maybe less important. But as a faculty member, the more things you do as a faculty member that you're measured for creating success is great. But if you're being asked to do things that don't help measure your success, you're using that precious commodity, your time and your energy for something that really people are not going to appreciate in a substantive way. And I think we should also tackle the compensation as well. It's not that these individuals don't want to dedicate their time and their passion to these efforts, but like you said, there's only a limited amount of time in the day, and it's hard to not always be compensated for the additional work that we do, even though we enjoy it. As faculty members, you do want to be valued in different ways. Thinking a little bit of our conversation with Chris Lee and performance conversations, if the expectation is to do A, B, C, and D as part of your job description, but you're only measured on A and C, but not B and D, when you're having those performance conversations and B and D are being ignored, but they're taking up a substantive part of your time and energy, is that really a fair expectation for a female faculty member of color in particular? 
that you're doing more than what's expected than the average person in a similar role. And you're not being measured on that as part of your evaluation. Is that really setting people up for success? I want to offer the caveat right off the bat. I'm not saying that work isn't important. In fact, that work is extremely important, but it needs to be measured as part of the overall evaluation. And we can kind of get to that in a moment. But the problem is that it's not set up that way right now. And people have a finite amount of time. I thought it was interesting that the authors refer to this as an identity tax, which they feel is made worse for women of color. They're asking to do more mentoring for students, especially students of color, as well as leadership and diversity work on campus. And that work is less valued for promotion. And there's the fundamental issue with how it's set up. Andy, I'd like to comment on what you were saying regarding setting the faculty member up for success. I think we have to look a little broader, not just the faculty member, but is it really setting up the institution for success? Is it fair, and we keep using that the word fair, to ask that female faculty member to do all of this? The institution should be looking at all faculty members, regardless if you're underrepresented population or not. I think that's so true. And thinking back to what we talked about with Ty and Richard, if what institutions and what employers in America are searching for is a truly more diverse, more inclusive, and an organization that is seriously considering the systemic inequities that we live with, it's imperative that we, as higher education institutions, take those mandates seriously. I liked how the authors of the article referenced the work-work balance, which I've never really thought about. We all often hear about the work-life balance, but if you're asked to balance your primary work with secondary work and possibly even more work after that, it can be a true tax to that person. Absolutely. And it's interesting because I'm assuming, while this is relating to female faculty of color in particular, that work-work balance across the campus, people may not experience it as as important of work as this. But I think we all kind of struggle in one way or another with that work-work balance. So I wonder what people who are listening are thinking about that maybe they can relate to. Maybe you've experienced this sort of work-work balance issues as a female faculty of color or somebody else in a position similarly. Hit us up at, at Higher Ed Jobs on Twitter or drop us an email at podcast at Higher Ed Jobs. The article does suggest some interesting solutions that I really thought worked well. The first suggestion I liked was to make workloads more transparent. This can go back to when people are being hired in the job description. It has to be clearly outlined what the faculty member is responsible for, how they can be credited for their work. We keep saying that this work is done because people are passionate about it. It's not that they don't want to do it, but they want to have time to do their other work as well, their research, their teaching, interacting with students. Being open and, as the article says, transparent to what is expected of that faculty member, I think, can help recruit the right people and retain those people so everyone is on the same page. And I love how it points out if we're able to do that, it's going to make these folks even more enthusiastic about their work and therefore even produce better results. So not only are you being more fair and transparent in the process, but you're also making the core work something that people are doing with a new spring in their step which is so important. If a faculty member feels valued, as you were saying, they ultimately will turn that around and the student's educational experience and their time on campus will be further enhanced. They do offer one practical caveat, and I'm going to go slightly off topic for just a moment because our children sometimes will listen to the podcast. They don't necessarily do so gleefully, but there's always a discussion between the two kids about their rooms and comparatively what they each have in their own room. 
And we've been in the house their entire lives. They're both teenagers at this point. Their rooms literally have to the square foot, the same size closet and room by design. As children, I mean, that's the way they want it. They want it to be absolutely perfectly equal. That's the beginning and the end of everything that's equal with our two children. They're two different kids. They need two different things. And I love that the article says, and I quote, workload equity does not require every faculty member to do the same job. The idea of it's equal does not mean to be exact. And I think that that's a really important place. If you get three slices of pizza, that doesn't necessarily mean the sibling you have, who's half your age and half your size, should also get three pieces of pizza. Everybody needs the appropriate slice of the pie. I do agree that everyone doesn't have to do the exact same job. But I also think, and we've talked with previous guests, Shay Butler, other people regarding diversity, equity, inclusion, that diversity is everyone's role. It has to be important to everyone on campus. It can't just be with underrepresented faculty member. It can't be just in the diversity, equity, inclusion office. Everyone on campus has to be aware of these and dedicated to diversity, equity, inclusion. Absolutely. How do you think leaders can hold everyone on campus accountable? The article, I think, has an interesting take on that. Leaders may be hesitant to try to figure out this issue with these relatively simple fixes the project suggested because they don't want to open a can of worms. But the authors point out in a very observant way that this is a can of worms that's already open. This work needs to be done. It's a priority at many universities, which is good news. But many schools have not figured out how to incorporate this last structural piece that doesn't necessarily back up the values that they're trying to accomplish with all the various initiatives and pressures are put on faculty and once again, particularly female faculty of color. The acknowledgement to start with is this can of worms is already open and it's not something that you can wait to handle. You're better off addressing it now than seeing this as a problem for six months or a year or two years from now. So what are some other ways besides leaders just acknowledging it? Because like you said, we can't just pretend that it's going to get better and we can't just talk a talk or make a statement. There actually has to be something implemented. If leaders have to ask the faculty members to incorporate diversity statements and actions into their syllabi, maybe when annual reviews are coming up, the department chair can ask the faculty member what type of diversity efforts they've done. Again, I keep stating how important it is that all faculty members are held accountable because I don't like that it's just on the shoulders of underrepresented female faculty members. I think everybody has a role to play in this. Understanding and taking an honest look at every one of the job descriptions and making sure that it's consistent for how diversity, equity, and inclusion figures into that role. And two, how the measures for that role's success are tied to those diversity, equity, and inclusion responsibilities. The faculty member has, the staff member has, the leadership position has, and making sure they're consistent with whether it's a performance conversation or performance evaluation, the tenure process, that's consistent with things that are being measured to the importance of that role. And yeah, everybody should be having part of their performance evaluation or conversation and discussion of what they've done on the diversity, equity, and inclusion front vis-a-vis their job description. But you need to have the job description be the place where it all starts. And I don't mean to make this conversation so negative because I'm sure there are some campuses out there that are doing a good job of this. So I'd like to hear stories from faculty members out there. 
What is your institution doing to support you? What advice or best practices do you have for your colleagues? So tweet us at higheredjobs or email us at podcast at higheredjobs.com. On that note, Kelly, I'd also suggest I'm looking for something here that's not just an airing of grievances, but also where do you think we as a community could make the most progress in this area? Where can we use our own voices separate from our positions voices in diversity, equity, and inclusion on campus? Share some ideas with us on Twitter at Higher Ed Jobs or send an email at podcast at Higher Ed Jobs. Being in academia today, I don't think you can ignore this inequity with female faculty of color. You read this article, and please do go on the conversation and read it. A link will be in the notes. Everything you read in this article is going to remind you of things you already know. And when you look at the suggestions that are placed in there, they just make sense. And if you want to take a step back and look at things and try to do your part, encourage your leadership to consider ideas like this and go out there and try to use your voice for some good in encouraging people to maybe look at how the system is set up and how we can better allow the system to accomplish the goals I think we all want. Thank you, Kelly. I enjoyed our conversation today. And thank you all for listening out there. We look forward to talking soon.